I think maybe just share elevator picture around Legends Barbershop and what you've been up to to date. Yeah, so Legends Barbershop was started by myself back in 2011. It was, yeah, I just started out cutting hair on the stoop. And how I started was basically just a clip in a chair. What I've done is basically after each and every customer, I would, I would have a notebook and on the notebook, I would write down the person's name, the conversation that we had. So next time that person comes sits on my chair, I actually make reference to that last conversation. And that's how I built the relationship. So in a nutshell, Legends is building relationships with customers. And this is how we run our business throughout the past 10 years. It's just building relationships. And I think that's really something key. That's fascinating how you inherently decided that in order to grow or to nurture a relationship with customers, you had to start being very intentional in recording the nuances and the conversations and the facts and whether it be the figures of that relationship from the get-go. What was the trigger? What was the trigger that, that informed you or prepared you to take that tactic going forward? Did you have a mentor in the background? Did you see this before from another business? Because there's so many businesses doing the same thing around you, you understand? I think you have to know what is your USP and you have to understand that all businesses are doing the same thing. So you have to come in with a different service offering. Looking at my business to say, I was really focused on trying to be a bit different compared to what was a conventional way of doing things. If you look at other barbers, other barbers used to do the same thing consistently. And everyone can cut hair. There's a lot of good guys out there. And what makes you different? You understand? And that's the one question I always ask myself. What is that one thing that's going to make me different from the person that's out there, the person that's trying to do that. And as simple as recording that data from that person just made me realize that people need interpersonal relationships and, and people love that whole experience of you getting to know them much more on a personal level than anything else because it is a personal service. And that's a difference. That's really what makes a huge difference in, in legends. I never had a mentor starting out. I had many mentors through my customers because I used to speak to all the customers at all the time and, and they would come up with suggestions. They would tell me about, why don't you try this? Or why don't you do this? You understand? So all the time I was just taking notes. I was taking notes on the conversations and I'd implement some of the stuff that they, they were telling me during those conversations into my business. And, and that's just how it went on. The insight around what you're inherently sharing here is that People can be really good at cutting hair, right? They can be really good at being a barber. But there's this transition that you're making where you're moving from being a barber to being a business person. And for me, that's what I pick out of this is the fact that you looked at what the barbers were doing in your industry. You looked at how they were uh, crafting their trade and how they were setting up everything. But then you saw this business layer that was in addition to what they were doing in terms of their craft and saw this business opportunity, like you mentioned, your unique selling proposition around what is going to create an enduring effect here that sustains the business. And we all know from a business point of view, the most valuable customer in a business is a repeat customer, not the new customer, it's the repeat customer. 
and you've literally applied the business principles, whether you just did it naturally. And like you said, I think what is also really great here is that although you never had a formal mentor on the sidelines, you were relying on your customers because they were probably also involved in different types of businesses and careers and roles and, and being open to asking questions, being open to, to listening to that feedback. And a lot of the times within that is gems of what you can implement in the business and iterate and go further onwards, right? Yes. There's also a different side to it because if you look at to run a business is something else than to be self-employed. And many barbers, many professionals take this approach. Either you are self-employed and you run your business by yourself, you're the one-man show, and being the business owner, being able to to upskill staff to do exactly the same thing that you do. And I think that's one of the hardest things that uh, that business owners are struggling with. I, even up until today, you, you are still constantly coaching people to actually do the same thing that you're doing. And I think uh, in a nutshell, that's been what Legends has been focusing on for many years, is upskilling the next generation of barbers, upskilling the next generation to be able to, to cut and to serve their customers according to how Sheldon used to do it back when he was all that in on the stoop. And, and being able to grow from one store to over 63 stores with over 500 employees, you have to have these systems in place in order to upskill your staff in the whole chain. I think that's a great distinction. You mentioned quite a big number there of, um, of 500 people, right, which would make many people sweat <laughs> at the mere fact of leading that size of a team. In practical terms, though, it's not necessarily that you're on a day-to-day dealing with 500 people, right? This is the misunderstanding or misconception around when your team is growing and it's growing at such a pace, everyone's not necessarily reporting directly to you. Describe what the structure currently looks like around how you set the organizational structure such that you can manage at this scale at 500 people. I know that you have a a semi-franchise model and, and corporate model where you own some of the stores and then others franchise it out. So maybe just share how you've managed to grow to this level without losing control over the quality and that growth that is required through the individuals in your team. Looking at our structure, we do have our operations team that just focuses on the stores, solely focus on the stores. And this is the head of the department going all the way down to to regional managers and under those regional managers are the store supervisors and under the store supervisors you do get the barbers and the receptionists under them. Uh, so that's the structure that's currently in place. Also when it comes to franchising, we do have a franchising model that that really helps us because as you know, Sheldon can't be at all the stores at all the time. So you need somebody that that has that has that invested interest in that shop. And is not willing to lose his money because he knows that they've invested his money into this and trying to make it work. So I think the franchise model has really worked tremendously for us. Just looking back on on the years and since the time we introduced the franchise model, uh, the growth has been exponential. But one thing that we also learn is that finding the right franchises in place and being able to make sure that these guys are the right people that's able to look after our brand in different locations. So that is really key for us as well. So everything that we do is to support our stores and everything that we do is to ensure that the customer does not feel shortchanged because he's coming to the shop to spend his money. That's really what we're trying to achieve is to make sure that the value 
is there for the customer. If you were to look on a weekly basis, what is your type of day look like in making sure that the vision, you know, why you're doing what you're doing is implemented or deployed throughout the organization so that everyone understands the strategy of the business and now it's all about execution because we know the strategy without execution is, well, 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 nothing gets done. So how are you trying to make sure that execution of the strategy in such a, a large organization, a large team is being consistently applied? Is it a weekly meeting? Is it a town hall, a gathering online? Maybe just describe a bit more around that. I think one of the key things is being able to have the proper communications in place. If you want communications to flow through all staff members, I think that's one of the vital things that you have to have. We do have weekly meetings with our HODs, our head of departments, and, and that's vital for us to ensure that we're on the right track to serving our customers and how do we better that on a weekly basis. We also have quarterly uh, meetings with our franchisees and uh, this is group franchisees coming together and having meetings with them, suggestions that they might have, things that will help grow the business. And, and these people are willing to give their input on how to make legends better or, or more successful in the future. So I think uh, communication is key. One thing that I still do up until today, uh, I still visit the stores. I still want to go physically greet the customer that's sitting in the chair, find out how is his experience, because you have to ensure that, that his experience that he receives is not shortchanged compared to the other shops. So you have to do your weekly check-in. So, so once a week, I would, I would visit one or two stores. I know that I can't visit all six, three stores at a time, but, but I do try my best to go to the stores because I think that's where the people are and, and that's where the real feedback you'll get from anyone else is by the people. If we look at the communication channels and communicating is, is fundamental to, to aligning the culture and, and, and of course the strategy then to make sure that it's executed, what tools are you currently using? Is it WhatsApp groups? Is it email? Is it Slack? Because again, this doesn't have to be rocket science, but what is your little communication toolkit that you tend to see the team as well as you use on a daily, weekly basis? So, so basically on a daily basis, just to keep track of what's going on, uh, we're using Notion. So I think Notion is quite good. It's really a tool that's straightforward. It just tells you what you need to know and that's it. It's very valuable for any business owner uh, just to keep track of it. Then we do use WhatsApp uh, just for direct communication. Email is still number one. Telegram is also coming to place. For businesses, we can do much more in broader teams on Telegram. Our heads of departments and our regionals really focus on Telegram because there's much more that you can do on Telegram than on WhatsApp. Just for everyone listening, if you want to check out Notion, go to notion.so and you'll be able to register there. I think they offer like a free trial as well. So don't worry, they're not sponsoring this podcast, but <laughs> maybe they will afterwards. Um, what, what I picked up though, in between the, the words that you were sharing, Sheldon, is visiting the stores, right? Mm. Communication doesn't necessarily have to be written. Communication can happen through setting an example. And, and, and it looks like you really are focusing on setting that example. And we, as human beings, when we see people do, then it's far easier for us to then do instead of yeah. talking about it and talking about it and, and really setting that example. 
I just want to explicitly say that that's something that I think that you naturally are doing even unconsciously is just going to the stores and that's creating a super positive and influential effect on the team. And so just to take another topic here around the, the team, we're often told that we should never work with family. And, yeah. and last time I checked you working with your wife, right? In the business. Yes. This is important, right? The stigma that, oh, you shouldn't be working with family and it's not necessarily possible. But yet here you are like a power couple proving that stereotype wrong. How do you actually make it work in terms of boundaries within this team such that it also in terms of your employees and your team members that they don't see it as, as a negative to, to the organization? Yeah, I think especially working with my wife, she's been there from day one. So she understands the whole operation. She understands what's needed from the business. One of those things that, that you always have to think about, uh, that when you die one day, what's going to happen to your business? Is your business in good, capable hands? Just knowing that you can have family and friends to count on, I think that's one of the greatest, because sometimes you do go through a lot. I think there, there is that thing that does take place where, where sometimes you go home and you're tired and you're weak and you need somebody to count on to say that, you know what, you're going to carry me through. You are going to be that person. So I think my wife has definitely played a huge role in my life. She has been that anchor that I can speak to. I would say that working with family, it really depends on the person. I always look at the skill set. I always look at what is this person able to bring to the table? Because if you come into the table and you're liability, then I don't want you. You have to bring to the table, you have to be an asset, you understand? And I've managed to take this approach over many years. And, and I have many family and friends that has been part of a team and, and I had to dismiss them because I just taken that approach. It's either you're an asset or you're a liability. It's either one of the two. We here, we here and want to grow and we need assets just to come together and so we can build this great business. That's super mature to always prioritize the team ahead of any individual. We've seen it at other businesses where it's very clear that the family just get involved and they're not necessarily adding a lot of value and it creates a very poisonous culture such that people know that meritocracy isn't valued and it's just who you know. Emulating it through action by making sure then that the priority is the business and people see the fact that someone is now being employed based on their skill set, their talent, their contribution, and then monitored consistently with that. So really ups for, for keeping that going. Yeah. The type of people that are listening on this podcast, they're either in a big, large corporation, they're not necessarily their, their own entrepreneur as, as you are. What, what is one insight that you would want to share to someone in an organization? They may not own the organization or be a shareholder in it, but they have a team, right? They have a team of, say, two, three, or 10 people. What is one key lesson that you've learned in terms of leading a team that you think is important no matter where you are in an organization, but if you've got a team that you're leading, one or two things that you'll actually be able to practically apply going forward? Yeah, I think one of the main things is leading by example. Over the course of time, if you look at all great leaders, whether it's Mark Gandhi, whether it's Nelson Mandela, or whether it's even Jesus Christ himself, all great leaders led by example. If you're working in a corporate space and you feel like that you're not giving enough, uh, just know that you're not doing it for, 
for yourself, but it's people that's looking up to you. There's this Bible verse that I read many years ago when I started cutting air that says, whatever you do, do it full-heartedly as unto the Lord and not unto men. And, and that stuck with me for so many years because everything that I do, I do it for God. It's not for my own personal gain. Imagine, Grant, I started out cutting air and basically I relaunched my barber shop and I didn't pay myself for three to four months. So, so being able to sacrifice that along the way and just knowing there is a bigger purpose behind it. Mm. And it's not about money. It's about basically just following what God has called you to do. And I think that's, that's important. Yeah, having a greater cause. And when you're looking to set the example, making sure that you're doing a lot of the acts with an unconditional mindset. So you're not attaching conditions when, when you're chatting with your team or when you're really wanting them to grow as professionals, as individuals. Right? What I've experienced in negative experiences in organizations that I've been involved with, either internally or just um, as customers or suppliers, I've noticed that when people are super conditional about the relationship, okay, it's quid pro quo. Like you do this, but I expect this. And the moment that everything always becomes transactional and quid pro quo, we then cannot grow this relationship. We can't reach that greater purpose beyond that short-term thinking, right? Yeah, that's spot on. That's definitely spot on. Because you have to just do something full-heartedly, even if you get nothing in return for it. Just know that there's a greater cause to it. Brilliant, brilliant. So you've spoken about the setting the example what else have you seen that you would possibly like to share with everyone? You have to be curious about what you're doing and you never know enough. You always keep learning, whether it's in the industry or whether it's in business. I think curiosity plays a huge role in terms of being able to learn from people. That is one of the biggest blessings that I've experienced over this past 10 years. Uh, humility is also something big because humility describes the person that you are describes a person that's willing to learn and basically ask for help when needed. If it's a customer that comes up and gives me advice, I am there and I humble myself, just willing to listen to that person. Thank you so much. I really appreciate um, your time. Like I say, I'm super inspired by what you are doing. I saw the Dischem deal around having all of your products. So if anyone is looking, there's the Legends Barbershop products range in Dischem stores across the country but I think the principles and the learning here for me is that it doesn't matter if it's 50 people or 500 or 5,000, set the example, make sure that you allot some time for yourself so that you can continually learn so that you're curious around this and then making sure that you're using the right tools to communicate with your team because if there is no communication, then no one can execute on the strategy. 